Pause I Am Radio with your host, Robert Brining, sharing stories from across the United States and around the world. To join the conversation, call 929-477-3572. That's 929-477-3572. Each week, we'll bring you our exclusive HIV scoop with Josh Robbins and your positive message from Rise Up to HIV and Kevin Maloney. Your weekly dose of hope. Pause I Am Radio. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the June 24th edition of Pause I Am Radio. Happy Sunday. I am your host, Robert Brining, here live in Philadelphia um, from my little desk here. Um, what an amazing week this was for me. Um, you know, last week we had on uh, class from the Brotherhood Retreats, and we spoke about the retreat that he does here in the Poconos in Pennsylvania. It's an incredible retreat. Um, if you missed the, the show, you can go back and check it in the archives or on iTunes or go to positiveradio.com. Um, learn about the retreat. It is an awesome retreat, um, a spiritual retreat to connect with other individuals um, who are either gay or bisexual who may or may not be HIV positive. Um, it originated... Uh, with people who are HIV positive, but the interest has grown. And in order to um, build the bridges between the positive and negative um, uh, gay and bisexual men, they decided to open it up to any status, as long as you're open to being there with others that, you know, are uh, there living with HIV. So it's really cool. It was an awesome experience. If you missed it, go back, learn about it, or go to poseretreats.com and check it out. I know he has another one coming up, I believe, he told me in October, but maybe a little bit different. Um, I think he said that it'll be a, a co-ed one that isn't basically uh, focused on um, gay or bisexual men. So that should be an interesting uh, thing to look for on his uh, website. So again, poseretreats.com. Check it out. So today I have an amazing guest I just spent last week with her in New York. Kamari Alafri is somebody who I met at Healthy Voices in 2017. We met at the Purposeful Connections um, event there in Chicago, and it was the first time I met her. Uh, she looked familiar, and then, you know, as I was l learning more about her, I realized why she looked familiar. Uh, there was a big campaign that I believe took place in Florida. Um, our friend Dad the AIDS Bear um, was involved in it, and uh, Jeff Garcia, um, I think Anthony Johnson was also a part of it. It's called uh, the Faith, uh, I just don't want to get it correct, so I don't want to mess it up. It is called uh, Faces of HIV. It's an amazing thing. And I, I didn't even realize that it was her that was there, um, and, you know, whose image was used for that until just recently when I was going through her website and stuff and, and looking up more information before I had her come on. And I was like, oh, my God, that is her. That's so awesome that I remember seeing that. I believe it was at the International AIDS Conference in 2012. I saw, you know, all the faces there. And I remember seeing hers and it, and it sticking out. And who knew that one day I would cross paths with her and then become a tribe member with her and, you know, we worked over the past year on a few things since we met at Healthy Voices um, with Jansen, and it's been incredible to learn about her and experience who she is because she's such a strong woman, and she's so involved, and, and she's a mom. So on top of, you know, being an amazing advocate, she still has time to be a great mom and, and wife, and, you know, that's got to be tough. I know it's tough for me uh, just to, to do what I do to work, and, 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 you know, it's crazy. So she's an amazing woman. Uh, she was actually uh, recently named on the 2017 Healthline HIV Influence Honors List for Best Advocate for, for Female HIV Health. Um, 
So you may have seen her there. Um, I'll let her share her website because I'm not sure if it's public yet. I was able to access it even though she said it wasn't accessible, but I don't know if it's uh, public uh, for her to share. So let's go ahead and bring on Kamaria Laffrey. Let me see that I click the button. Hold on. There we go. Kamaria, hello. <laughs> hey, how are you? How are you? Good, honey. How are you today? Good. I cannot complain. I'm so excited to be talking to you today. I know. I'm so excited to have you on. I feel like I just left you, which we did leave each other, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's so good to have you on because I feel like you're still here with me. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> so just to start and off, I have to say website. since meeting you, so since meeting you at Healthy Voices for the first year and then meeting you again uh, the second year, because the first year you were on the advisory board, so you're a little bit busier. Um, so this one, I think you were a little bit more, you know, and I was also new the first year, so I really wasn't like open to like running up to everybody and being like, hi, how are you? Hi. So, you know what I mean? I think, but over the year, working together with things with Jansen and seeing you, you know, at different events, I think it's just been incredible to, to work with you. And I think it's just such a pleasure. Thank you. I feel the same way. Um, being an advisory board member was a lot of work, so I didn't get a chance to, like, really hang out. So I'm really grateful for that purposeful connection day that we had before everything so we could get to know each other a little bit more. Yeah, it was, it's crazy, but that conference, man, has definitely changed my life. I, so I toot the conference horn all the time about how great it is and tell everybody, you have to try to go. You have to try to go. You know, it's such an awesome experience. What was it like being on the advisory board? Um, the advisory board was, um, that was a learning experience because that was only my second year being involved with Healthy Voices. So it was just um getting an understanding of like how decisions are made and how things play out and then um, given the platform to like say, let's try this and let's use the patient advocate voice more. Um, and cause you know, cause we're the experts that are, that are in the room. So having, right. um, I guess a little more pull and a little more involvement in how the conference plays out was like a huge deal. So I'm really grateful that um, Jansen allows us that opportunity to enhance our leadership skills and um, step out and speak more about our various health conditions. So it was a really awesome experience. I was really grateful to do it. Yeah, I pulled Becky aside this year and I was like, well, if you're looking for advisory board members <laughs> next year, I might know somebody who would be interested. <laughs> you know, I kind of like put a little bug in her ear. So, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> you know, but definitely, I, I, yeah. I just want to learn more about the behind the scenes part of it. You know what I mean? And see what it's mm-hmm. like, because I would love for one day to, to put my own conference together. You know what I mean? That would be oh kind gosh. of, I think, cool. You know what I mean? To do it kind from the cool. patient just, up, build it up, you know? Amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it would be kind of similar to uh, Positive Living. Um, have you been there? I have. I missed the last year's because I was a little under the weather. Um, but I love driving up. I'm a six hours from me in Fort Walton Beach. I love the drive here. I love, I love it. I just, it's it's one of the best conferences I've ever attended in Florida. Um, for people living with HIV and their caregivers and people in this community that support us, it's such an amazing conference. And I think this is like the 25th year. I could be wrong. 20th. It's like the 20th or 21st year. Yeah. 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 I was there this year and it was, it was incredible. 
because I haven't been there for a while. So it was my first year back after the break. And it was just nice to kind of reconnect with everybody to see Butch, you know what I mean? And give Butch a hug. And, you know, we went to the, um, what is it? Uh, Red's uh, karaoke bar, which was out there. Uh, Red's was one of the performers one of the years. It was awesome. Oh, see, I'm I'm a karaoke version. Like the, the when we hung out in New York, that was my first time doing any yeah. karaoke whatsoever. So. It was funny. I was going through all the pictures when we were in New York, and I'm like, oh, I don't have a single like. It's like, where's your pictures from karaoke? And I'm like, I think we oh. kind of made a pact that there was no pictures, no video, nope. no phones whatsoever <laughs> during the karaoke. Yep. <laughs> so I had no say. I was yeah. voted out. That was a VIP zone only, like to no popularity. Yeah. <laughs> it was just funny because I like he asked me and I was like, oh, I don't know why nobody ever took pictures. I felt like it was like 20 minutes we were there and that was it. <laughs> yeah, we did like, I think everybody did like one song. So it was like a, a really short concert. That's what it felt like. And then we were out. <laughs> yes, yeah, it was really bad. <laughs> I think Jacob was the only one who really could hold a tune. Well, Becky held her own, too. Becky rocked out. Yeah. I was really excited to see that side of her. Yeah, she did. What song did she sing again? She sang um, um, Lady Gaga, right? Yeah. I just don't know. I don't know the name of the song. I just know she sang I'm on the Edge, I think. Uh, Yeah, Edge of Glory. That's the name of the song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was good. That was the beginning. That was before, I think, any... uh, drinks maybe came about <laughs> but it was a time to oh, anyway let's get back to, let's get back to what to you and your story that's why we're here um you know I, I want to talk about you know how you've been living your life and looking so fabulous and doing what you're doing and and, and you know just being you I mean it, it's awesome so take me back to how you found out because everybody's story is different tell me how you found out that you were HIV positive Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people ask the question, like, what made you go get tested? And I remember the first time I was asked that, I was like, oh, people like choose to get, I didn't choose to get tested. It was more of, um, I uh, got pregnant and hid my pregnancy. And about five months in, I kind of had to make a decision on what I was going to do because I was starting the show. And um, I went in to try to get prenatal care. and no doctor would take me because I had gone too far. And even though I was, you know, buying over-the-counter vitamins and stuff like that, um, I really had no actual medical care. So I had to register at our local hospital for women um, to deliver. Um, also because the health department, the earliest appointment they could get me was um, well after what my due date was. So it was kind of pointless to even make that appointment. Um, so I registered and I... Um, ended up having to go in early because I was getting concerned because like my due date arrived and nothing was happening. And because I had no tomato care, I just, I wanted, you know, to figure out what was going on. Like you guys have to look at something. So um, they induced my labor and um, I gave birth uh, naturally. Um, hadn't had any questions in my head about, you know, anything being wrong with me and, uh, you know, came home, was home for two weeks, and was trying to breastfeed my baby, and she wouldn't latch on, and she wouldn't, um, she wouldn't even drink when I uh, pumped uh, my breast milk into a bottle. She wanted the formula that she was used to, 
when I was in the hospital after I had her because I was like knocked out when I'm in a lot of pain I just go to sleep so I slept for a good 24 hours and they you know kept trying to bring her in for me to feed her and it just wasn't working so they gave her formula so I thankfully you know hadn't actually given her breast milk but uh, I got a phone call saying you know if you're breastfeeding you need to come into my office immediately it was like the OBGYN and so I'm really confused because I you know I, I had kept on my appointments and um had already called them to make my follow-up appointments so I was you know, trying to figure out what was wrong and how did they know I wasn't breastfeeding. So I'm thinking, I was like 21. I was so paranoid. I was thinking they're going to take my kid away from me because I wasn't breastfeeding. So I go in and the doctor sits me down and she's like, because you didn't have prenatal care, um, we had to test you for everything. And I don't even know how much blood they took, but it took a lot. And they're, um, she's telling me, well, you don't have chlamydia, you don't have syphilis, you don't have gonorrhea. She's like naming STDs only. And I'm like, what the heck? What is she getting to? And so I was waiting for her to say I had cancer. And um, she finally leans back and she starts like watering in the eyes. And she leans back and she's like, you're HIV positive. And I looked at her and I was like, oh, okay. And like, the rest of the appointment, I really don't remember anything she said. I know she was telling me, like, all of the stuff about I'm going to live a long life. There's treatment. I know she said those things, but I really – but it was like Charlie Brown. Like, it was womp, womp, womp. I didn't hear mm-hmm. in that moment. And what really got me in hindsight is all I can remember was the fact that she was crying. And, like, those that know me know I'm a nurturer. So if I see someone else upset, I want to make them feel better. So that's <laughs> process. Like, why is she crying? And the fact that, like, all I knew about HIV was that some people in Africa's problem, that doesn't touch me or my life. I'm a good girl, even though I wasn't doing good girl things. But, you know, I was raised in a very right. um, religious household. So it just didn't apply to my life. Like, that's not me. And then all kinds of thoughts, just like, okay, what about my baby? And so having to um, spend a year getting her tested and giving her medication, driving an hour outside of my county um, to get these services uh, was a pretty rough year on top of postpartum depression, living with my um, disabled veteran mother, my elderly grandmother, like trying to navigate all of that um, and figure out what this HIV thing was. It was, it was rough. It was scary. Um, and when they finally told me that my daughter did not seroconvert, she was negative, I knew then, I didn't know what, but I knew then, I was like, okay, I got to do something about this. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I got to change my life. Like, this is, this is crazy that it's happened to me, but at least my baby's okay. Had the results been differently, I genuinely, I don't know how I would have processed it. I don't know what I would have done. So um, that's how I found out. It wasn't a matter of me thinking I was at risk and choosing to go get tested. It was, I got pregnant and thought I was going on with you know, a better part of my life is becoming a mom. And I mean, now I'm a new mom and HIV positive. So it was, it was one of those different stories, I guess. Right. And so for those who are listening, who may not be knowledgeable of um, being HIV positive and pregnant, you just said that you were positive, had the baby and your daughter was negative. You know, these are things, you know, that are possible. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. And it's incredible. It's it's one of those, it's it's yeah it was one of those things like because again I didn't know my status before getting pregnant, um and I didn't know the risk of you know tr- possibly being able to transmit, 
the virus um, through breast milk. So I didn't know any of that. And the fact that she was born in um, the treatment that she got put on, you know, kept her from um, acquiring HIV was uh, one of the things that I always attribute to my faith. Like, I really genuinely consider that a miracle, especially when I started learning more about it with me not having known my status and the likelihood of, you know, um, children being born with HIV, that it could have happened to her and the fact that it didn't. And then now that we live in an age where we know that a person living with HIV that is on their treatment at least for six months consistently cannot transmit the virus, that just gives me more hope. So if I want to have another child later, like there's so many things I don't have to worry about that used to stress me out. Um, Good first eight years after my diagnosis, I thought my life was like over as far as being a mom. I was like, well, this is my one shot with the kids. Like I do it the best I can, which is why she's spoiled rotten now. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it just, it, um, I'm grateful for like, you know, the advances we've made um, with medications and things like that. Cause we've definitely, definitely come a long way. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and you, how old is she now? 15 or going to be 15? Oh my God! Yeah, she'll be 15 next month. <laughs> wow! And then in a year later, she'll be wanting to drive. <laughs> yeah, no, already, she already wants to drive. Already. Wants that permit. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, she wants to go on the road and have her freedom. That's awesome. So, tell me how you sat down and had the conversation with your daughter, and at what age was she? Because that's always something that yeah, people so, have difficulty, and 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 I'm curious because I don't have kids, you know what I mean. So I know how, yeah. like my sister, or I told my nephews and nieces, but that's a little different because they were older, you know, when I told them. Yeah, it's it's kind of she's grown up with it. So at you know different stages of her life, I kind of revisit the conversation. Um, I think she's at an age now I don't really need to because I'm pretty open about everything. Um, even parts of the HIV that doesn't really, isn't my lived experience, but just things I've learned from other people. But, you know, I remember at age four, um, I wasn't on treatment and I didn't, when she was four, I wasn't on treatment. And uh, <laughs> I, I was really, really sick, like all the time, just in pain and I couldn't figure out why I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have insurance. And even if I had, I didn't really trust the doctors in my community. So, um, I was open about my status, but I just didn't like talking about it. I didn't want that to be always the reason why something was wrong. And I remember she she learned at a very young age to ask for permission to hug me before she hugged me. And if you've been around a four-year-old, like a three-year-old, they, when they love you, they love you. Like they just grab. They just run yeah. and grab. When I realized she hesitated and always said, Mommy, is it okay? I knew there was something like, okay, I need to like figure things out with my health because this is not cool. Like a four-year-old shouldn't have to know that it's not okay to hug me because I'm sick. So, um, you know, the mom guilt kicked in and I started, you know, looking more into treatments and taking care of myself better. I tried to go the holistic route first. Um, And then revisiting that when she was about, seven or eight I was like do you even know what this is and how to have this conversation with her was really scary but I started just bringing her around me whenever I was invited to share my story or if um when I had my daughter's appointments I just wanted her to know it wasn't something to be afraid of and I definitely didn't want her to ever catch like 
wind of someone picking on her or teasing her because her mom was somebody, somebody living with HIV. So I focused more on like stigma than I did the actual medical part of it. Um, I showed her my pills. I showed her that this is what I have to take to feel better. And when mommy doesn't take this, I get really, really sick. Um, that then became like, she would every now and then remind me, like if she, if I caught a cold, she's like, well, did you take your medicine? And she wasn't referring to like NyQuil or Tylenol. She was like, right. well, you take those big fat, ugly, you know, those ugly pills. And, take those. <laughs> and, <laughs> and sometimes it'd be like, yeah, I did. And sometimes it'd be like, no, mommy just got tired of taking them. And I'm, I'm always honest with her about how difficult it can be um, for a treatment adherence. I've gotten a lot, lot better now. Um, but I, the first few years, it was just, it was rough. So she's, she's seen the good and the bad of it. And I think, I think um, she hasn't like fully articulated this, but I think she has a better understanding. She's been a part of different um, teen pregnancy prevention conversations in our community where they talk about STDs, they talk about HIV, and she sees how some things are more openly discussed. Um, our community has no problem shaming young girls for getting pregnant and shaming people for STDs right. um, and, and speaking openly about it. But then when you mention HIV, there, there's this hush. She notices the difference. And then she, she always looks at me and she's like, okay, mom's about to get fired up. She's about to say something. And I usually do. Um, those that, again, know me, know I always lean forward and say, I have questions. Like, why questions. is this like this? Or, <laughs> I imagine you're doing that with like the um, Mr. Burns fingers from The Simpsons. I have questions. <laughs> I do, because usually I already know the answer. I just want to know, like, are you aware that this is a problem? Um, right. Are you that stupid? <laughs> <laughs> I hope I don't come off that way, but hey, it's super most tough, you know, that's what we're yeah, here for to educate. And, and it's just awesome to me. I, I kind of, you know, admire that, that you and your daughter have like that very close relationship. And, and it seems like as almost, you know, obviously mother daughter, but like best friends and could tell anybody anything. And, and like, you know what I mean? It's so nice to see that at her age, she hasn't, you know, grown apart and been like, no, you know, that's how kids are. And like, even like, my niece and I see my niece and my sister fighting and, you know, but I think at the end of the day, they still have that special bond, you know what I mean? That nobody can break. And it's for me, I just admire having that kind of a bond with a, a younger person. Cause yeah, I don't have a kid. It's, it's <laughs> I don't want a kid either. They're expensive. <laughs> <laughs> they are expensive. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about that. I need a drink if I talk about that. <laughs> but yeah, they are expensive, and I, I'm grateful for our, our bond and how um, she lets me be vulnerable. And then if I, you know, if I mess up, which I do, um, I let her call me out. Uh, you know, sometimes it throws me off, and I, you know, I switch into like this defense mode of I'm the parent, you're the kid. But then I have to be realistic. I'm like, wait, we're both human. And I screwed up, and she called me out, and I need to address it. So um, I'm just—I always just—I'm big on communicating and just teaching her how to how to operate and how to show people how to treat her. And I feel like that starts with me. Yeah. No, I think that's awesome. 
communication is key. And I think that's something that I noticed that my sisters have done with their kids is have this open communication of always being open and honest, no matter what it is, you know, mommy and daddy still love you. We're still here. We'll come pick you up. We'll do whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like you just tell me that, you know, you need me and I'll be there. No questions asked until after you're home and we're safe. You know what I mean? Just like, let me know. And I think having that open conversation is so awesome. And that's why I think the next generation of kids that are, being brought up are, are going to, even though they're doing some stupid stuff like eating Tide Pods, but I think the, the next, like the, uh, like the under, I want to say like the, the teenagers and younger, those I think are going to be very, very well rounded in diversity and, and just being more open-minded as individuals because of people like, you know, you and, and my sisters who are raising their kids to be open-minded. And people like you that give people a platform to be able to express themselves. So I agree. I agree that um, the next generations coming up are definitely going to be better in um, the world that we're giving them right now. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to change the world. So listen, let me, uh, I want to talk about two things. So HIV plus magazine uh, this year named you their number two most amazing HIV positive, (laughs) I guess, person or people of 2018. What was that like to to be (laughs) – you know, like to have that 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 title put out there, and just to be like congratulations, to be like you know, kind of spotlight it, and be like you're doing amazing stuff. Like it's weird. I mean, it's awesome, and it's just I don't. I I'm grateful, very very grateful, especially um when you open the magazine, and I'm like right next to Bruce Richmond, who's like yeah. the father of the U equals U movement. Like it just. <laughs> Um, I don't even have, I still do not have a word to describe what that feels like. So um, I'm grateful for it. And I'm very appreciative that I'm recognized by peers and other leaders in the community and in this work. Um, I definitely don't do it to make a list. That was not what I set out. Like, oh, I got to go on this conference call every week so I can make this list. Like, that's so not the motivation. I didn't even know that list existed, actually. Um so it's it's pretty awesome, and it seeing that I've you know been recognized just makes me realize that now it's I'm, I I feel like I'm in a space where I have to reach back and look at people who want to be elevated and want their voices um, to be lifted up and have different lived experiences that aren't being shared um, because we're all of our HIV diagnosis and journeys are different. And um, I really believe in mentoring and helping others be empowered and lifting them up. So seeing that I'm on this list and thinking about how I used to feel when I would open a magazine and see somebody featured, I would say, oh, I want to be like that or I want my story printed like this. Um, Not ever actually thinking it was going to happen, just saying, oh, that would be nice one day. But now seeing that it's happened, I'm like, well, who else is – sitting in a waiting room at their doctor's office, opening a magazine and seeing my face and being like, well, how did she get there? And I want that. Um, so it's just, it's caused me to just pause and kind of look at why I started and, um, you know, just review some things and reach out to people. Uh, well, actually a lot of people reach out to me um, that I'm grateful for that I can, I guess, kind of direct and mentor or whatever because you know, I'm a hot mess so if you want to follow me cool um, we can mess up together <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah it's, it's been a 
surreal experience to be on a list like that. But um, I'm grateful, very, very grateful. That's awesome. So let's take a quick break and jump over to Josh and this week's HIV scoop. So we'll be right back with with Kamaria. Hold on one second. Come on, work for me. I think I have to refresh the page, so let's do that. Uh, sometimes I have issues with my computer because it likes to act so funny, so sometimes I have to refresh my switchboard to get it to work. Okay. Or it won't work at all. <laughs> this is nice. I think maybe I have to do that. So, all right, while I'm getting that to work, and it's not working, so I don't know what to do. So, all right, we'll move on to the next thing. So one of the things that um, I noticed that you do on Instagram because um, I follow you over there too. Um, you do these in, uh-huh. empowered legacies. Tell me about what that um, is and, and how that started. Uh, empowered legacies, yeah. So empowered legacies started by um, multi-layered way, but it was a conversation that I had with someone, and they asked me if they were the cure for HIV tomorrow. What would you do? And they were like, you know, they were basically like, if HIV was just completely eliminated, it was just gone and no one had it anymore. They were like, who are you after that? And I was like, whoa, like, okay. And the point of them asking me that was, you know, what is your identity wrapped up in? And what is your, what is your legacy? Is it just HIV or is it something more? And I got to thinking about it and I was like, well, through HIV, because it's my lived experience, you know, I just always wanted empower people and there's other things that people experience you know depression um sexual assault uh just you know bad times just like you, you grieve a death and like people just go through rough periods in their lives and i'm always about lifting people up and empowering them to see beyond um the darkness and try to find the light at the end of the tunnel so uh mostly my posts on instagram have to do with hiv but then i always try to find you know, a couple other, like, inspirational things to talk about. So it really just came from redefining who you are outside of what you inherit. So, like, I have a friend who um, has experience and things in her life, and, you know, I asked her that question. I was like, who are you beyond this? Like, just because your mom might have been um, abusive and your dad was an alcoholic does not mean you have to inherit that. You have the ability to be able to redefine who you are. You know, we inherit things like freckles or a stutter or things like that, but you can still be someone else. Like, you don't have to be attached to that identity. So that's kind of where, like, it started from, and I've noticed it keeps morphing into something else. Um, in my own community in Polk County, Florida, um, it's where I, I, I gather a lot of people living with HIV. A lot of, I don't advertise this, a lot of people don't know it, but I do gather a lot of folks and um we sit and talk about doctor's appointments and just how you're feeling that day. And I ask them, what do they need to be lifted up? And I try to find those resources and get that to them. And I um, also, you know, challenge them to do something to give back. So they help with a collection for the health department. And we do a Beat the Heat blessing bag um, collection. And it's more so for people that have to, uh, I live in a very rural area. So it's, people that take transportation and have to be out in the sun um but they're like on medications that say you're not supposed to be in the sun um trying to put things in a bag that can you know ease your comfort so you're not feeling sick from whatever um side effects may happen because you're out in the weather plus aside from the heat we're also in hurricane season from june to november so i put things like ponchos and sunscreen and hats and socks 
water bottles, the refillable ones, um, things like that, just so people, when they're taking public transportation and having to wait outside of the bus stop, um, and it's taking them all day to get home because their doctor's appointment was three hours, and, you know, they have to wait for the bus to come, uh, just for them to be comfortable and not, you know, have to be susceptible to, okay, my socks got wet because there's a huge puddle before I can get on the bus that I have to walk through. I can't walk around it because the bus is in the way. They can get on the bus and change their socks into something drier. So it's just little little things like that um, that I try to do. Uh, and then I just post on Instagram to let other people know that these resources are available where I live because things don't really get advertised unless you are actually at the health department. So I, I try to bring what is outside of the health department to a larger platform because also where I live, there are no aid service organizations or um, community-based organizations yet. Uh, it's just the health department um, for people living with HIV. And I'm hoping to build empowered legacies and partner with other service organizations to make something better for us. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, let me try this clip again. Let's see if it'll work. Why won't it work? I don't understand. It's kind of funny that all of a sudden my computer, like when I get to the point where I want to play Josh's clip, it's like, um, no, we're going to hold up a minute and just make you go crazy. This is the all new HIV Scoop with Josh Robbins, exclusively for Pause I Am Radio. This week's buzzworthy sexual health news in under two minutes. Here's Josh Robbins with this week's HIV Scoop. Hey, what's up, Robert and uh, everyone out there? I hope you guys are having an amazing week and weekend. All right, let's get right to the news. It's crazy. A man was awarded $18.4 million in a lawsuit over canceled HIV test. That's right. A federal jury has awarded millions in damages to a man who said in a lawsuit that two doctors failed to test him for HIV, which allowed the virus to progress to AIDS. The Boston Globe reports that the jury ruled Monday of this week in favor of 48-year-old Sean Steinenford in his medical malpractice lawsuit. He consented to an HIV test in 2007 because he was experiencing like facial paralysis. But it says that one of his doctors canceled that test because he thought that the guy didn't have any risk for HIV infection. But this guy was gay and and possibly exposed to bodily fluids while working as a paramedic. His lawyers argued that he should have been tested for HIV at that time. A couple years later, he in fact tested positive for HIV and so now he's suing and he won. Just, that's just crazy to me. That's not the only story that is crazy this week. A hospital allegedly classified an HIV positive individual as no contact, which means they, they no one could come in the room, the, the food had to be left outside the door for this guy. Accusations are being leveled against Wyckoff Heights Hospital in Brooklyn by an HIV positive individual allegedly that is classified as no contact. It could probably be one of the most offensive things in my mind, I don't know about you guys, that a hospital could do to someone or, or me living with HIV and undetectable, labeling, labeling us as no contact. But that's exactly what these public allegations being made against this hospital on social media, quote, this is what happened to my boyfriend today. I'm so thankful to the group of friends we have. My boyfriend was treated so poorly by Wyckoff Heights Hospital. 
end quote. Anyway, stay tuned to imstilljosh.com for more information on that story as well. It's just crazy. Also, coming up Tuesday, June the 27th is National HIV Testing Day. I'm Josh Robbins. This was your HIV Scoop. And there you have it. Thank you, Josh Robbins, for this week's HIV Scoop. And you can find more information on Josh at omstiljosh.com or go to Pause Time Radio. There is links there to his website and blog. Again, thanks, Josh. Uh, Kamaria, are you with me? I am. I'm floored. Okay, right now. so let's. <laughs> right. Two things. Let's first, let's go over. One, is your website now public? Because I was able to access it. <laughs> yes. So before I, I, I give it out, okay. So uh, for those of you who are interested, you can learn more about Kamaria by going to kamaria.org. That's K-A-M-A-R-I-A dot org. Um, and all her information is there. So one of the things I love, love, love um, about your website is one of the things that Josh mentioned is that June 27th is National HIV Testing Day. But your website, kamaria.org, has a tab for all HIV AIDS awareness days. And there are so many, and it's very hard for me to keep track of. So now that I have Kamaria.org, I am able to bookmark it and know every single one that comes up. So, Because I always lose so many, and it's so hard for me to keep track, and it's like I have to yeah. Google all the time. And now if I just go to your website, Kamaria.org, um, I can go there and <laughs> find all of them for everyone. So um, yeah, June 27th is HIV testing day. So, yeah, I think that's awesome that you have all of them listed there because it's hard to find a list, you know, that has everything in one little spot. So I think that's awesome. Thank so I you. want to talk about um, the two things that Josh brought up, the two topics in um, HIV Scoop. So what, one, what is your thoughts on the guy who basically, I guess, sued the doctor or the hospital for canceling an HIV test and got $18.4 million? I mean, like... I have questions. Like, what was he thinking? But it just goes to show how, you know, a person, you are your your own advocate. If you know that you need to be screened for something, like, fight for that. Like, you do not have to take the doctor's say-so on that. Um, you can always get a second, third, fourth, fifth and a Google opinion if you need to, like, know more about what's going on with you. So, like, that just, I mean, kudos to him, I guess, for, you know, being successful with the lawsuit. Um, But I just want to encourage more people, like, if you're sitting here right now and you know that you need to be tested for something, anything, and if something's bothering you and the doctors are telling you don't worry about it, find another doctor. Um, I know some insurances limit you to where you can go, but ask around. Like, there's, there's a lot of good um, medical experts out there that will listen to you and um, hear you out. So I have so many more thoughts from that. Yeah, well, well, the thing I think that the thing that killed me was that the doctor, their excuse for canceling it was that he was not at risk. And this is why I hate that word or that phrase, an at-risk group. Because the only thing you need to do to be at risk really is be having sex. You know what I mean? So unless you're not having sex with any person, you know what I mean? More than likely, you're at risk. You know what I mean? So that kills yeah. me. I think that was the part that, that, that annoyed the hell out of me, is that the doctor made that decision. You know what I mean? And I don't know if he has any, you know, if anything falls on his shoulders for waiting so many years to get tested for the disease afterwards, you know what I mean? And allowing it to progress, yeah. too. I mean, I, I don't know. 
I don't, I don't, I don't know if that should have been legit. To me, that's a little crazy. Like, I think Judge Judy would be like, crazy. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It's so, crazy. yeah. Okay. I don't, I, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no. Okay. So the other thing I wanted to talk about was the other thing that he, um, uh, that he brought up and why is it like slipping my mind right now? Oh, about the, 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 um, the Wyckoff Heights Hospital in Brooklyn, shame on you for putting a no contact, uh, you know, on somebody who's HIV positive in 2018. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, and that I mean, blew my mind because it's in New York. And I always figured New York is like one of the most progressive states when it came to HIV. Like, are you serious? Like, no contact? Yeah, and to, and to treat someone like that um, for no reason. And to be, that's one of probably the most stigmatizing things I've heard happening this year that yeah it's insane i feel like like we looked like we were in back to the future and went back in time yeah that's some that's something that you would hear in a documentary that happened in like 1983 because nobody knew you know what hiv was they weren't even calling it hiv so it's definitely um out of sync with where we are today and how far we've come with how how we should be treating people because there's way more knowledge than what we had in the early 80s um, yeah, definitely shame on Wyckoff Hospital. I remember seeing the tweet um, from Josh, uh, and I didn't, I didn't know the whole, whole story. So I'm really hoping that it gets more attention and that they take some measures to educate themselves and update their protocols on how they treat people with HIV. Yeah, and I'm going to actually go to uh, Josh's uh, Twitter page. I'm still Josh, and actually uh, retweet that. So if people who want to read more about the two stories in the HIV scoop, I'll do that. I love that he does that for us here at the show. It's awesome that he does an exclusive scoop and gives us all, you know, all the the need to know and and stay up to date with what's going on in the world because there's so much crap going on, so much. Yeah. So I'm going to try to um, I'm going to try to play one of these uh, positive messages from Rise Up to HIV and Kevin Maloney. So let's see if I can get that done because we have a few minutes. So I want to uh, see if I can get one of those in. Let's see if it'll work cool. for me. Um, it don't look like it's going to work, so that's fine. Uh, no big deal. So, Kamaria, tell people where they can find you on Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. Um, I know we have a link to ours on our social media, but I just want to put out your handles and stuff so people can find you. Yeah, so I'm not good with the branding, and I don't feel like starting over, so all the names are different. On Twitter, I am Mrs. <laughs> MRS underscore Cam, K-A-M. On Instagram, I have two, so I am InstaCam3, and then I'm Empowered underscore Legacies, and on Facebook, I'm listed as my first and last name, Kamaria Lassery. Oh, I guess I should spell that. Yeah, it's on our site. They can see it. But if you're not listening, it's L A F F R E Y. But uh, yeah, you. I want to rebrand too. You know, I kind of was thinking about like I do have the positive radio across all three, but I want something for me, you know, to represent me and yeah. not just the show. So I'm thinking about yeah. rebranding. But I think on on Instagram, if you change your handle, it will change the handle everywhere where you're mentioned. Really? I think it does that. Just in case you were interested, I think it's that one or Twitter. One of the two, it does that. It'll swap it out, or it'll at least link to your new one. Huh. I'll have to I play think. around with that and see what happens. Yeah, I'll have to look into it. I'm a, right, well, I'm a creature of <laughs> habit, so I don't know if I want to change all that. Well, that's the last couple of seconds. Um, what advice would you give somebody who is newly diagnosed um, and, and you're meeting and is looking for advice? 
um, three things. Feel how you feel. Don't let anyone else tell you that you shouldn't feel a certain way. Two, get on treatment as soon as possible if you um, find a doctor you trust. Three, know that you are enough and you are way beyond um, just your diagnosis. There's way more to you besides the letters HIV. Well, there you have it. That's three great points of advice, Kamaria. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had a blast talking with you. Me too. Thanks for having me. No problem, sweetie. And I'm sure I'll see you soon and talk to you online, okay? Love you. Miss you. Love you too. Take care of yourself. All right. Bye-bye, honey. And there you have it. You can find more on Kamaria by going to kamaria.org. Again, that's where you want to go find all her information. And thank you all for tuning in. And next week, I will have a special guest, so you're going to have to go to positiveradio.com to find out who. Thank you all for tuning in. And I want my outro to play. So let's see if it'll work today. All righty then. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Pause I Am Radio, your dose of hope. Connect with the show at pauseiamradio.com or on social media, and we'll see you next time.